Blog Talk Radio. Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is January 2nd, 2019, our first show of the new year. And our special guest this evening is Arnie Wexler. He is a, uh, wow, he is such a guy. He is a, uh, somebody who really helps compulsive gamblers. And he is a recovering compulsive gambler himself, 45 years now. And it's an amazing subject, and it's an amazing problem that we have in this country that gets kind of swept under the rug. It's not talked about too much, but there's a lot of damage. And if you look and see what's happening, more and more states are uh, have legalized gambling, and now the NBA, I think, is allowing some gambling, and uh, you can do online gambling, and it's just it's rampant. It's a money grab, of course, for the government, but uh, there's a lot of... Uh, collateral damage with people on the, on the side who've been hurt by this because it is an addiction and it is a disease. So we'll bring Arnie out in a few minutes. Let's, let me just do a little housekeeping on Guys Guys Radio. Guys Guys Radio is the place where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. This is a podcast number 338. I mentioned uh, uh, at the end of last year that we just struck a deal with KCAA in, Los An- in uh, Southern California, actually Loma Linda, California, and we are going to begin broadcasting there Wednesday night, starting January 9th, between 8 and 9 p.m. So if you're in your car or you're at home or you want to listen to us online, we'll still be on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be on iTunes. We'll be on Stitcher. We'll be on TuneIn Radio. We'll be on, be on Spreaker. But we're going to add live radio. Um, so you can listen in your car or however else you listen to the radio. We're going to be on... 102.3, 106.5 FM, and 10:50 AM on KCAA. So if you're in Southern California, that's our first market in our expansion. Please check us out. We'll also be then added to the iHeart Radio network, so we will have a potential audience of uh, I don't know about 40 million across the country. So I'm excited about that also. So it's a big opportunity. We've been doing this for a while, and finally uh, we're getting picked up. So it's great. Very happy about that. We've got a lot of work to do. Just did some promos for them. I got to do some juggling on my schedule and everything, but uh, we'll probably take the show and um, make it into once a week again. It was two weeks, twice a week for the last year or so. And uh, I think with the KCA opportunity, we're going to cull it down to probably once a week or maybe five times a month, something like that but we're not going to do twice a week, every week anymore. Um, but we're going to have quality shows as we always do. We're going to get great guests and we're going to be out there to really help people because uh, it's, a, it's a show kind of for guys, but it's for women too. It's really for seekers. Nowadays, people are looking for more, more than they get in their job, more than they get in their paycheck, more than they get from media and people are, want more information. So what my task is and my passion is, is to bring experts in many fields that are relevant to our listeners. And uh, then you can make your decisions and say, hey, this is something for me or uh, it's something I just wanted to learn about or, or not. But it's up to you. But I'm going to bring you the very best things I've learned. I've learned so much doing these 338 podcasts. Um, from so many different people in the metaphysical field, in the entertainment field, in the sports field, and relationships, dating coaches, wellness experts, diet experts. I've learned a lot, and I want to share it with you. And along the way, I guess I have been sharing it. I don't know how many shows you've listened to, but all of our podcasts, all 338, are available on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and blog talk radio. And as I mentioned, we're going to be going to KCAA and then we're going to go on, on to iHeartRadio and Spreaker um, all in the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. 
So what's been happening? Happy New Year. This is the time of uh, resolutions. I had mentioned to everybody that over the last year, I went through a, a diet program called the Process of Elimination Diet, where I gave up one item every week for a year. And my first thing I gave up was alcohol. As soon as you tell people like, hey, I haven't had a drink in six months, they're like, did you have a problem? Like, no, I don't have a problem. and I didn't have a problem with alcohol, but I decided I want to see what it was like because our culture is so, you know, cocktail focused. I want to see what it would be like just to not have any alcohol for a year. So I started my diet program, no alcohol, and then I just followed whatever I craved, I cut out. So I cut out candy and soda and ice cream and cake and pie and cookies. I just kept kept going. And obviously you can see the trend there. It was a lot of sugar. And I just added things all uh, along the way, 52 weeks during the year. And by the end of the year, I got to tell you, I was very eager to be done with it. Uh, week 52. But the thing is on New Year's Eve, where I decided I counted, kind of counted off the days and I realized I could, I was allowed to go back into drink or eat whatever I wanted again. I really didn't want to. I had a couple drinks on New Year's Eve. We had a sparkling, we had champagne, a little champagne, and we had a little uh, sip of tequila. I like a high-end tequila to sip. And I really, I had have to tell you, I had lost the taste. My taste buds had changed. Also, my mental clarity was so much better uh, my physically, I felt better the night New Year's when I went to sleep that night. I had trouble sleeping. I was tossing and turning. I kind of had indigestion and um, and I was tired, worn out the next day. I went down to the gym, worked out. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a week and just have bits of whatever I want over the next week. If I want a cookie, I'll have a cookie. If I want a piece of pie, I'll have a piece of pie. If I want if I want a uh, tequila, I'll have tequila. And then after that week, I'll decide, is this for me or not? And the way I am right now, it's only January 2nd, but I got a feeling that I'm going to go back and just continue to give up 95% of those things I gave up last year and just keep them out of my uh, lifestyle. I lost 24 pounds, got in great shape, feel fantastic. I'm like, why do I want to go back? I don't need all that sugar. I realized that sugar was the thing that's kind of hidden in everything. It was really uh, making me eat more sugar. And I guess a lot of people run into that. Now, listen, I'm not a big guy. I'm 5'10". I got up to 197. And I was working out all the time, but I was not losing the weight. And then I dropped down to 174 I got to. And then I plateaued off at about 175 starting in September. And my weight just stayed there. I weighed myself today. I'd gained one pound. So... We'll see what happens. That's not bad. 176 for 510, uh, not bad. But uh, it's a fascinating process I went through, and I'm actually going to write a short, I have all the notes, putting together a, a short book about it. And uh, I should be done in about six months with that, but just fascinating. Um, we've got a lot of great guests lined up for uh, Guys Guys Radio coming up, and I, I can't wait. So, uh, we've got uh, Paul Selig. We're going to start putting him on on the Wednesday night shows. We've got Paul Selig. The, uh, he's a very well-known uh, channel now who channels the uh, McKelsiak, I think it's called, the uh, Brotherhood of Guides that he, he channels. And we've got Hillary Ramo, who is a longtime radio host coming on, and Lisa Campion. I was re- recently on her show. Uh, just a lot of great people. Um, Kimberly Meredith, who is a, a healer, is coming on. And we've got Rob Kandel, who wrote a book about men, who's coming on. So I'm really psyched. And I'm really psyched about tonight's guest, Arnie Wexler. So let's take a very quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll bring Arnie on. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio. Um, you know, I, you, 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 everybody probably knows people who have issues with gambling, um, and they might not talk about it that much. and might hear, not hear about it that much, but I, I assure you that people who do have those issues, their friends and family members are suffering as well as they are and try to, trying to get away from it. Um, Arnie Wexler is a really interesting guy. He and his wife, Sheila, they have provided extensive training on compulsive problem and underage gambling to more than 40,000 gaming employees. 
which is fantastic that some of the casinos allowed them to come in to help them and have written responsible gaming programs for major gaming companies. In addition to running the toll-free national helpline, 888-LAST-BET, that's 888-LAST-BET, Sheila and Arnie are consultants to Recovery Road in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, a Sunspire Health private residential treatment facility for adults with chemical dependency and problem gambling. Um, Arnie's got a book that he put together with a well-known writer, Steve Jacobson, sports reporter. And the name of it is All at Bets Are Off, Losers, Liars, and Recovery from Gambling Addiction. And uh, I got connected to Arnie from my high school and grammar school buddy, actually, Matthew Swartz, who's an investigative reporter. He's now out in Phoenix, but he was on WOR Channel 9 here in New York for many years. He's a great guy. And he suggested Arnie and I got his book and I was reading it and I was like, wow, what a great story. And it would be a fantastic movie. So let's bring him on right now. I'm on and Arnie? thank you for those very kind words. And I forgot that how you got to me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, with Matt Schwartz. So I love Matt. Arnie. I, uh, so do I, he's a great guy. And I have pictures of him and me down in my basement with a bunch of other kids, uh, at my, uh, seventh birthday party so i've known him for a long long time right and we uh you know haven't been in touch for a while and then we got in touch and it's like you know just the same thing not just time has uh, transpired but it didn't make a difference at all so that's fantastic so um let's talk about uh your your story arnie it's really fantastic that you were kind of a, a young upstart and you got into uh uh, the garment industry, and you kind of uh, overlooked one of the, I guess, uh, warehouses uh, out in Jersey, and uh, mm-hmm. you really were playing some games out there uh, for real, and then you were kind of uh, tapping into money all different ways. And it seems like the whole gambling thing is there's a lot of, uh, and uh, take this uh, respectfully, there's a lot of dishonesty with self that goes on with it. Is that true? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of addictions, but this is the most hidden one. It's invisible. There's no smell. There's no track marks. You don't fall down and pass out. There's no saturation point. And that's why this one is different than all the other ones. You could be in a job. You can come in and wear a suit and tie. You could be embezzling money. You could be gambling all day long. And that's what I did running a factory where I was plant manager supervising 400 people. That's amazing because you were like you were letting the guys uh, on their during their breaks have their own crap games and stuff going on. You were borrowing money from different employees. <laughs> you were tapping into your stocks, and like wow, and it got out of control. And uh, wow, I, I got I, hats off to your wife who uh, were with you throughout this time because uh, she really uh, she really put up with a lot. Um, no when, question. When you were go. When you were going through this, Arnie, did you when was did you have a point where you realized, my God, I'm out of control, I need help, or was it a process? No, because what happens is, you you think that the next bet is going to turn you, Robert. You think the next bet is going to turn you around. You're going to get everything back, and you're going to be even. So you never feel like that until really you hit the bottom, where there's no place else to turn to get money where you're on your way to jail or you're on your way to think to yourself the only answer is to commit suicide. And I got to that mm-hmm. point. Wow. Um, so uh, what, tell us a little bit um, about the difference. Is there a difference in the mindset between somebody who likes to play the ponies versus gambling on sports? And within sports, is there a different type of skill levels for baseball versus basketball versus boxing and Etc. Or and then there's cards. So what's what's kind of is there a kind of different uh, uh, personality that or is it all the same? It just doesn't matter. It's whatever kind of you you know gets you going. Not really, because it's like somebody who drinks scotch and somebody who drinks bourbon and somebody who drinks gin. You know, I never gambled in a live casino because they weren't around. But I did mm-hmm. everything else. If we went to lunch. It was a situation of we flipped who was going to pay for everybody's lunch. So I found a way to gamble on anything and everything. When the next truck was going to come with a delivery for us, you know, it just, gambling was 24 hours. I ate, slept, and drank gambling. Dreamt at night, I kept dreaming about gambling. It just never ends when you got it. Gambling becomes more important than your wife, 
your family, your kids, your job, anything in your life. I'm so curious about uh, about the whole gambling mindset because I had a good friend, um, and he used to go down to he used to get on the bus, and uh, he would have a deck of cards and he'd play uh, decks of cards and he'd play blackjack the entire way down to Atlantic City. Then he'd go to the casino, he'd play till it's closed, and then he'd get a room, he'd sleep, he'd wake up the next day and he'd play cards the rest of the day, and then he'd do the same thing, and then he'd get back on the bus and he'd play hands to himself all the way back home again. And then that was it. What what is it that like to me? I would have no interest in that. For him, I, I'm, I'm wondering: is it, was it the money? Is it the money, or is it the the high that you get from the excitement of having everything on the line? Well, it's really about the action. Let me start with this. I started gambling at seven or eight years old as a kid living in Brooklyn. It was shooting marbles, pitching pennies, playing pinball machines. And at 14, uh, I was stealing. To, at 17, I was stealing to support my gambling addiction. I went to the racetrack Memorial Day 1951. I was working in the garment center. I was making 50 cents an hour. I walked out of the racetrack with $54. That day changed my life. I thought to myself I was going to be a millionaire from gambling. Look how easy it is to make money. And I was hooked. And I changed and, that dream mm-hmm. for the next 23 years. Do you, uh, I know there's a lot of sad tales. Are there actually winners? You know, you watch some of the shows on TV where they have, you know, the world championship of poker and this or that. And there are, you know, people who are gambling for a living in Las Vegas. Do any, does anybody uh, actually come out ahead in the long run or does everybody end up losing? Yeah. The people that come up ahead are the people that own the casinos the states that own the lottery and the uh, people that own the horses that run the racetracks. Ah, okay, I got you. Um, when you work with people, you've worked you're, with so If you're many... a compulsive gambler, you can't mm-hmm. win. I just heard a story the other day. Well, two stories I'll share with you. A guy yes. came to me for help a couple of months ago, and he said he sold his business for $14 million. And he said he blew all the money in a three-year period. And I said to him, give me your phone number. And he said, my phone is in the pawn shop. (laughs) I had another guy that came to me that was on a winning streak. And and this is what compulsive gambling is all about. He had in the vault $980,000. And he kept gambling because he wanted to make it a million. And when he finished, he owed $2 million. Wow. Unbelievable. Um Tell us a little bit about what in the work, what, what was it that um, inspired you to become, to do the good work you're doing now? You went through the heartache of being a compulsive gambler. What, uh, what did it take for you to kind of get over the hump and then uh, serve the rest of your life to helping other people? Because you're doing great work. Well, uh, I, I, somebody came to work in the factory, in my, my factory when I was the plant manager. And I heard he was a millionaire, and it was 1968, so 1967, actually. So I befriended the guy, thinking that maybe he would bail me out and pay off the three years' annual salary that I owed. So I went Mm -hmm. to him, and I said, Jerry, I need, he said, yeah, you need to get help for gambling problem. So he convinced me that I needed to get help, but I wasn't going to go for help because I still thought the next bet I was going to win was going to turn me on a winning streak and I would be okay. I only went to him because I thought he was going to give me some money. So eventually, about four weeks into this process, he said to me, hey, did you ever go for help? I said, no. He says, they straighten out money problems. So in my sick mind at that time, I was 30 years old. We were married Mm -hmm. seven years. We had two kids in the house. I thought that that meant they were going to pay off my gambling debt. So I went to see these people in the 12-step program. And it turned out that they looked at all the money that I owed and everything else, and they said, you need two more jobs. And I ended up working two jobs, three jobs, actually, for a period of four years till I straightened out my debts. Wow. And so I got sucked uh, into going for help, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Well, good good thing you did. Um, what in in the work you do now? What are some of the telltale signs of uh, uh, of addiction that you see in other people that you know, like okay, this guy's got a real problem or not? 
Well, it's very hidden illness. I remember getting a call from a woman. She said, I'm married 30 years to my husband. He just got arrested by the FBI. He stole $600,000 from an insurance company that he was working for. I said, what do you mean you never knew? She said, I never knew ever that he gambled. He did everything at work. He did everything on the phone. And I had no idea that he was a compulsive gambler. And it can be that hidden and invisible. So it's it's really a tricky addiction to spot. But it's unreason- the, the gambler's mind is unreasonable optimism, high levels of energy, uh, believing that tomorrow is going to be the day that's going to straighten out your life. Uh, you feel you have low self-esteem, but you have a big ego at the same time. So it makes people think that everything is good and wonderful with you. When downstairs in your brain and your body, you really want to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your feelings about us, like the stock market? Do you think that's like gambling also? Biggest roulette wheel in America today. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell us, tell us why. Tell us about that. Well, at 14, I was in the stock market. Mm-hmm. I worked for a man that was in the stock market, and he convinced me to buy five shares of General Motors. And he bought it for me because I was too young to get it through a broker. So he bought it for me, and I paid him, I think it was like $500 or less. Maybe it was 250 I don't remember. And I messed around in the stock market illegally a lot of years before computers. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in jail today. I would mm-hmm. buy stock on what they call the pink sheets, and I would right. buy it and manipulate it throughout the day or the next couple of days and then sell it. And I'd move the stock anywhere from like $2 to 5 or $10, and I made a lot of money like that and gambled it all away. I was involved with fixed races at different times, and I was involved with fixed basketball games at times. So, but you can't keep it. If you had a winning horse and you had information in the first race, by the eighth race, I was looking to borrow money. Wow. And you talk about in the book the 12-step program. What Are you allowed to uh, discuss kind of what are some of the steps and how it, how it works for people who might be thinking about, hey, maybe I need maybe I need to come to Arnie and get involved in this? Well, it works this way. It works that people help each other. Everybody that I've ever seen come into a 12-step program for gambling, if they stay there and stick their hand out and help people and get involved, they stay there and they get real recovery. If they come in there and they don't do that, they disappear. And the fact is I've never seen anybody come back in better shape, and I've seen guys come back 10 and 15 and 20 years later. And the ones that don't come back, they either end up in jail or they end up in debt. You know, then they end up committing suicide. But I've never seen anybody who was a real compulsive gambler and crossed the line of being a compulsive gambler to be able, quote, to gamble, quote, again, ever normally. Mm-hmm. Are there certain uh, ways to gamble that uh, are easier to, you know, you have a better shot at it than others? I know when I, if I go to Atlantic City or Vegas or something, and if I play roulette, I'm like finished and like it takes two minutes to wipe me out. But if I play, you know, cards or something that I can hang in there for a while. I'm not a, I'm not by any means a great gambler, but uh, it seems like, you know, I'm pretty good betting on sports, um, but I know that there's so much knowledge that I don't have that the real insiders have. What, what's your sense in terms of, you know, I don't want to get your juices going here, but I'm sure some, you know, sports versus the ponies versus stocks versus uh, cards, there must be some differences in, uh, you know, your, your, your chances, or is it just all a road to ruin? Let me, let me share something with you about the stock market. My, my aunt wanted to give me $20,000. This goes back to 1995. My aunt wanted to give me $20,000 of Merck stock. Her husband worked for them. And I said, you know, I don't want any stock. I won't take it. And about six months later, she sent it to my wife. And as soon as I saw the certificate, my wife gave it to the broker to hold. I start looking all day long. I'm checking every minute what the stock is doing, how it's going on. This went on for six months. My wife never asked me anything. One day she says to me, you ever look at that stock? I said 20 times a day she sold it the next morning. I mean, that's an addicted gambler. That's what it's about. But you talk about the different kind of gambling, probably the slowest type of gambling lets you keep more money for a longer period of time, and that probably would be horse racing. The casinos are quick, fast action. 
it's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, let's go back to something we just talked about partially before. I've okay. had NBA players come to me for help. I've had National Hockey League players come to help. I've had baseball players. I had uh, uh, NFL players come to me. The guy had a couple of Super Bowl rings. So, uh, and I dealt with Arch Leister over the years. Yeah. And Chet yeah, Corte, who used to be mm-hmm. the Monday night Monday mm-hmm. night director of Monday Night Football. He passed away, so I can talk his name. Arch Leister today is sitting in jail. So I've dealt with a lot of those kind of people over the years, state senators, you name it, media people. Do you find that they all have the same type, there's the same personality link or weakness in it that, that, that flips them onto this? Or is it well, different for different people? I remember people? Chet Forte sitting in my house. He spent a week in the house with me before I got mm-hmm. him into some help. And he told me stories like he's doing the game and he's directing the game. And he's on the phone talking to the bookmaker, getting results of another game or watching another game. <laughs> and he gets to call the direct uh, the, the move on the TV uh, screen to go to another scene. And he missed a couple of plays over the years. So this thing is a real killer. I've had Arch Leister told me when he played for the, Bo- the Baltimore Colts, right. and I think it was Indianapolis was the second team. Mm-hmm. He would call a play, and then he'd uh, get out in the huddle and forget what he called because his mind was on the bet he had going on. And that's wow. compulsive gambling. Now, when you uh, kind of broke through and started on your road to recovery, what was it that that inside of you that said, I want to help other people, I'm going to do what you're doing now? How did you get? How did you make that big leap? Because, you know, you well, went for somebody was who was on a bad road. I was just talking about it the other day to somebody. I went to a meeting one night, and a guy that was in the program about four or five years at the time said, we get one person a year to get involved. And this was over a dinner. And I said to myself, wow, you know, I want to do that. And truthfully, at that point, it was all about ego. So I started to get involved. I went with this guy to a speaking engagement to a college. And I don't know, it just felt very comfortable. I liked it. Uh, probably was a little ego stuff going on. I started to talk to people from the New York Times and television stations. And Russ was one of the people later on. And it just, mm-hmm. it was an ego thing that it really started like that. What's been your uh, biggest accomplishment along these 45 years of recovery? Well, it's 50 years at this point, but the biggest accomplishment is I became a father and I became a husband and I became a grandfather and I have a life. That's the biggest Mm -hmm. accomplishment. Okay. You mentioned in the book that um, part of uh, the issue is uh, sometimes it gets, uh, it's hereditary in some sense. Is that, uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Well, it's interesting because there's something different in the gene of a compulsive gambler. Now, my father died when I was two years old, and people that knew him tell me over the years he was a gambler. And I had two uncles, one of them that I really loved. Both of them were compulsive gamblers. And Mm -hmm. it it seems to me you find that kind of hereditary stuff going on in families. Got it. Um, What uh, of the sports? uh, Because, you know, everybody's so distracted and enamored with sports. Which sport is most culpable to uh, and uh, exposed, if you will, to gambling? Is it, I know I know harness racing, obviously, because you you can pull back on the reins and stuff. But um, and there's always been that talk over the years. But do you think it's boxing or baseball or basketball or uh, the? I mean, football. You know, the refs aren't full time, and you see so many games and so many point spreads like changed by the refs. I mean, what's your sense in terms of the you know, sports going on there? Recently, in the last couple of years, there's been stories about Mindy Rudolph, who was an NBA ref, who was mm-hmm. a compulsive gambler. And I was betting games in those time, years, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, the six, 50s and 60s. So, you know, it's very, it, it could very be likely that you got a ref, that you got a uh, somebody that's officiating a game or, or a... Uh, a boxing match or something. They can yeah, be a compulsive the gambler. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I know jockeys 
that have come for help because of compulsive gambling. And like I told you, I've dealt with a couple of different sports guys, and it's very possible that they could do some shenanigans. You know, a guy like Arch Leister, all of a sudden he's in trouble. Uh, you know, he could do something with a game. He's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's happened over the years. There's been talk about different players in the NFL over the years uh, that were very famous players that they supposedly were compulsive gamblers and did some stuff. What uh, What's your now, feeling? Now you've got that? a situation where sports bets is legal, and you mm-hmm. now right. have a situation where Internet gambling is going crazy. Could be a lot of stuff going on. What's your uh, yeah? I was just gonna. That was my next question, actually. What's your? I, I can kind of surmise as to what your opinion might be, but tell us a little bit about um, what's your take on, uh, you know, the legalization of so many gambling and now teams in Las Vegas and things like that. What's what do you think? Well, you know, all along the NFL, the uh, the National Hockey League said. I got quotes from David Stern. We were on the Howard Cosell show together years ago called Sports Beat. And mm-hmm. I got I the quote where David Stern says, we don't want anything to do with gambling. We don't want it to affect our games. Now they're saying, hey, we love it. Let's get a piece of the action. And you got wow. the same thing with baseball today. You got the same thing with football. You know, football gives out an injury list. They've been giving it out for years. Why yep. would a league give out an injury list if, except if it was about gambling? If you mm-hmm. took if you took the gambling away from the NFL games, I got a feeling you'd have some empty stands. How about uh, what's your feeling about fantasy? You know, fantasy football is huge business now. What's is that? Do you consider that gambling? Absolutely, absolutely. The fantasy gambling, the NFL, the um, into into uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the gambling now that they're gambling on the internet, the sports betting. I mean, it's day and night gambling stuff. I remember times when you only had let's let's say a National Hockey League game playing on a Sunday mm-hmm. night. Nothing else was going on. So I called the bookmaker one day, and this is what compulsive gambling is. I called the bookmaker because there's nothing else to bet on. So I want to have some action. So I called the bookmaker and I said, Matty, what do we have tonight? He says, we have hockey. I didn't know what hockey was. I never saw a <laughs> hockey game. I didn't know it was played on ice. I started betting hockey games. It was months later that I saw it was on ice. I was shocked. But I would have bet on a cockroach wow. race if, mm-hmm. I, if I was allowed to. That's amazing. Let's... Uh, let's uh, uh... Yeah, this is a podcast, so we really we usually don't get a lot of calls because most people listen after after we go live. But um, our number is three four seven nine four five five eight three four three four seven nine four five five eight three four. If you want to give Arnie a call and ask about uh, gambling and compulsive gambling, please please call us or contact Arnie. But let's talk about the uh, in your book, you mentioned the nine gambling myths to help some people out there and maybe people who are listening or will be listening who are not sure if they have an issue or not. Tell us a little bit about some of those gambling myths. No, I don't have them off the top of my head, to be honest with you. If I had the book in front of me, I could read them all (laughs) off. But, you know, one of the things is uh, gamblers have high levels of energy. Gamblers have the idea that the next bet is going to bail them out. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. It's just the juice in a compulsive gambler is different than a normal person. I could tell you the, the craziness that goes on with compulsive gambling. It's really unbelievable, the stuff that does go on in the mind of a gambler. Do you, do you uh, think there's any uh, I, I was married for, for mm-hmm. about five years, and my wife wanted to have sex. And I was so high from gambling or so low from gambling, either winning or losing, I didn't really want to be bothered. And I was like 25 at the time, maybe. And all of a sudden, she kept bothering me, so I said, okay. And then she says, in the middle of it, she says, I hear a radio. And I tell her she's crazy, and the radio's on under the pillow. I'm listening mm-hmm. to a game Let's I got to get on. Right. That's hilarious. That's, that's compulsive that's... gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think um, with the with gambling as an addiction um, and uh, 
is there like an addictive personality where do a lot of gamblers that you come in contact with, Arnie, do they also have problems with alcohol or cocaine or other things or women? Uh, you know, how does this all work? Is it all that compulsiveness that that's like a lifestyle or is it usually can, uh, 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 you know, About really just locked into gambling? About 35% of gamblers have another addiction. It could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be drinking, it could be drugs, but or workaholism. Uh, that was my my second addiction was food, and my second my second addiction was uh, workaholism. In fact, I heard you talk about the the uh, food stuff before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm down 27 pounds in the last uh, probably couple of months because I started to do what you're talking about, watching my food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important. It makes it. I've had a, I've had a food mm-hmm. problem for my whole life almost. What do, What do you like to eat? When I when I'm eating anything and everything almost. Okay, so you're like a nervous compulsive eater. Right, definitely, no question, compulsive eating. Okay, because I, I, I actually watch- find that mm-hmm. I I I I'm a nervous eater, and I decided after uh, watching. Uh, trying so many different diets and, and cleanses and fasting and intermittent fasting, all these different things and reading some diet books. I said, you know what, I'm going to develop my own. And what I really did was I cut things out. I figured, you know what, if you don't eat them, then you're not going to have the problem. And then o- over time, uh, it was like out of sight, over, out of mind. And then my mental clarity became very sharp. And then I realized like, hey, I feel a lot better now. Did you find when you were recovering that a lot of the positives, you started to realize that, hey, I'm thinking better, I'm sleeping better, I'm not as uptight, I'm not as anxious, uh, my body feels better. Did you find that taking care of yourself uh, gave you these positive things to, to take you, took your mind off of the gambling? Sure, no question, but it takes a long time to get there. You know, the biggest thing with compulsive gamblers is one of the major factors is we lie. We lie about everything. I mean, if my wife would say to me, uh, what would you eat for lunch? If I had a, a steak, I would tell her a hot dog. You know, and the lying becomes so inherent to a compulsive gambler. It probably took me five or ten years to stop lying. And I remember mm-hmm. how it happened. We were in the kitchen one day, and my wife asked me a question. And I answered her, and I said, do me a favor, ask the question again. I caught myself mm-hmm. in a lie. Years and right. years into recovery. And that, to me, is the biggest problem that compulsive gamblers have or one of the big problems is what? they they can't stop lying got it what what do you find uh, when you're treating people you're working with them is the biggest obstacle that most people have in terms of getting over the hump so they actually get past their addiction well i could tell you that you eat sleep and drink gambling and you, i could tell you there's people that constantly dream about gambling they're thinking about gambling and when they stop gambling it's like giving up life it's like giving yeah. up something that's the most important thing in their life do and they that's need a really like that with compulsive gamblers so, so do they need a, a replacement like painting or doing another activity do you replace it with another activity or it's just like you cut it out what, what's the best way to deal with it well my thing i was lucky I developed working and doing and helping compulsive gamblers, and that gave me the juice that I used to get from gambling. Mm-hmm. Other people have started other things. They started business. They started this. They started that. But I know what changed me. It changed me that I saw them. Actually, the, the, one of the biggest things was my grandkids because mm-hmm. I was never there sure. when my kids were growing up. I was gambling those first seven, eight years. What would be your uh, kind of, if you could give three bits of advice to people who think that they might have an issue, what would you tell them to do? If you think you have a problem, you probably do have a problem. Okay. You should get help. I have a hotline number, 888-LAST-BED. I have a website that's actually, it's open only for people that have a compulsive gambling issue. It's called uh, Compulsive Gambling and, and Recovery. It's on Facebook, and we've got 1,800 people on there right now. Wow, that's fantastic. Do you, um, 
Do you uh, with with the way our culture is now, and with the legalize, legalization of a lot of gambling and the NBA getting involved in all of that? Do you and fantasy sports and DraftKings and all this other stuff? Do you find yourself the you know? Do you have to kind of put blinders on, Arnie, or is it like you, no, you're past that? That doesn't you don't even notice it. Well, some people can't watch or hear anything about gambling. If they hear a commercial on the radio or TV, they get very upset and that kind of stuff. The only thing that affects me at this point, I cannot go into a racetrack. I cannot watch a race when they show it on the feature race during the news. I have mm-hmm. to shut it off right away because I'm ready. It still clicks in my head. I'm ready to pick the outside horse or the inside horse. I can't watch a horse race. And I remember we were up in Maine on vacation, and they told us there was a flea market. So we went to the flea market, and it was a racetrack. I had to turn the car around and leave. I, okay. I don't have any problem with casino stuff. We trained 40,000 casino workers, some of them in casinos. We trained casinos all over the country and in Canada and, and uh, in, um, in Sweden. So we've trained a lot of people. I, I, the casinos don't bother me. I never gambled in a casino, so maybe that's why. But I spent hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars on lotteries and racetracks. I can't do anything with racetracks. In fact, mm-hmm. when I ran the Council on Compulsive Gambling in New Jersey for eight years, they wanted me to meet with the Racing Commission. Uh, so I was willing to do it, but the Racing Commission meeting was at Meadowlands Racetrack. I had to cancel it. <laughs> I won't go wow. in or near a uh, racetrack or have anything to do with the horses. Mm-hmm. The, why do you think the uh, the uh, gambling commissions and uh, the people in the gaming business who've hired you, are they, do you think they're doing it out of benevolence or they're doing it just as, as PR or or does it even matter as long as you're being able to get some results? Some of them are doing it out of PR. Some of them are doing it because uh, they're BSing the, the state and stuff like that. Some of them are for real. I could mm-hmm. tell you that I got a call one day from Wally Barr, who was the CEO of Bally's Casino. Then they had Bally's and Caesars, and they, had, they were the biggest casino company at that time. And he called me, and he said he wanted me to come to do some work with him because he had one of his guys that he was promoting to to his, uh, to his run a casino for him was a compulsive gambler, and I went out to help the guy. And he's still in recovery 20 years later, and he still works in the industry, and he's still doing some great stuff helping people have a gambling addiction. But the first time that I got to work for the casino industry, very interesting. I get a call one day from an executive that worked for the Trump organization, and they owed five casinos at the time. And they were trying to get a license in Detroit. So Bob Pickus, who was the executive vice president, called me and he said, we'd like you to write a responsible gaming program for us and train some of our people. So I said, this is bull. I don't want to do it. And they kept calling. Every I told my wife, I said, "There's no, we're not going to do it. At that time, we were only working for treatment centers and state governments and agencies. So we, what, we had what? both quit our jobs. I was running mm-hmm. the council. My wife was running a 100-bed drug, alcohol, and gambling treatment center in New Jersey. So they kept calling and calling and calling. And then one week, I had a, I had a dream one night. That about Willie Sutton, and he was robbing the banks in New York, and they asked Willie Sutton, why do you rob the banks? And he said to the reporter, that's where the money is. So I wake <laughs> my wife up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I said, Shell, where can we find more compulsive gamblers that we could try to help exactly. than any place else? I said, it's in the casinos. Mm-hmm. So I called Trump the next day, uh, Trump's people the next day, and I went to work for them. We worked for them for 15 years. We trained 40,000 of their workers. Many times the, they, the security people would call me and say, and sometimes in the middle of the night, they have a gambler that wants to jump out the window. They have a gambler that has a gambling problem. They must have sent us 100 people over that period of time, maybe more, to try to help. And some of them are still in recovery today. What do you, what do you train when you're working with those folks? What are you training them in? We, we train the workers, the executives and the workers on the floor. What mm-hmm. to look for? What are the soft signs? What to see? Okay. 
uh, how the gambler comes back and forth and wants a credit line and a bigger credit line and another credit line, you know, that kind of stuff. And we, we give them all the soft signs and the signs that they can spot that, you know, they before that they used to get calls from spouses and say, don't let my husband come in the casino. And they would ignore that. Mm-hmm. And then once we started training, they stopped that. If a wife called, they would bring the wife in and they would bring to some places. They would bring the wife in, they'd bring the husband and talk about it, and they tried to control the issue. And then Wally Barr and myself and my wife, Sheila, we developed something called the exclusion policy. And Wally Barr was the first guy to put that in, in existence in New Jersey. And if you gambled in his casinos and you got on the list that you had an issue with compulsive gambling, he uh, stopped you from having credit in any of the 30 casinos they owned. Wow. That's fantastic. And now there's exclusion policies all over the country. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the, the – do you think the gambling issue is a uh... – happens more in the States. What about internationally? Because I know in Vegas, uh, a lot of people come in from overseas, the whales, and uh, they spend a ton of money. Um, and there's been gambling in Macau and places like that. What's your sense in terms of, uh, is, it, is it more of a U.S. issue? Or is it just a personality type issue? I think it's a, it's a world issue. I mean, on my site that I just told you about, we got 1,800 people that are from all over the world. I speak to people almost every day, or I'm on the computer with them, from Iceland, from Ireland, from uh, Russia, from, you can't believe, from China, it's mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand. I see them from all over the world. Got it. This is a big um, issue today. Also, gambling is going crazy. How about, in two uh, years from now, you won't mm-hmm. be able to get a seat in the 12-step program because you'll have so many people seeking help because of the sports betting and the... I mean, you look at now, I hear people... I don't know, I haven't seen it myself, but I was told about it, that you go to the racetrack or one of these places where they're running the illegal the illegal gambling sports betting, right. mm-hmm. you can't get a seat over there. Yeah, that's true. It was funny, about- you know, we passed by Freehold Racetrack about two weeks ago and they were parked out in the street. The whole parking lot was full, and then the park cars were parked out in the street on Route 33 and Route 9. Wow. That, that's, that's amazing. How about also women? Now, uh, i got to think that uh, there's a lot more women gambling and uh, more issues with women now than there were in the past. Is that true, Artie? Arnie? Well, yeah. When I ran the Council on Gambling in 1986 to 1994, 1986, You hardly got a call from a woman gambler. It was maybe 5%. When I left in 96, we were getting 45% of the calls were female gamblers. Wow, that's amazing. Well, Um, you know, they they were slot players, and they were lottery players, and then you had the explosion of casinos coming all over the country, and that's what happened. I remember okay. going into a 12-step meeting in Gulfport, Mississippi. I walk in, there's 16 people that are all women. And I said, gee, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this was a women's meeting. And they said it's not. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Well, you've got to, uh, i got to tell you, the book is very good. And uh, it's called All Bets Are Off, Losers, Liars, Recovery from Gambling Addiction, Arnie and Sheila Wexler. And then you worked with Steve Jacobson on this. Tell everybody out there, Arnie, about, uh, again, where your program is, what the number is, what the website is, where they can get your book and get in touch with you. They can Google or YouTube, or YouTube Arnie Wexler, and they'll have all the information to reach us. Our hotline number is 888-LAST-BET. Uh, we have a bunch of different sites on the computer. If you're a compulsive gambler and you want help or you, you're in recovery, I have a great site now out on YouTube, on YouTube, on Facebook, and it's called Gambling Addiction and Recovery. And there's tons of people on there. You'll be able to contact and be involved with a lot of people that can help you and you can help them. Okay. Just that you're a Jersey guy and so am I, but my uh, hypnosis teacher, uh, he does a lot with uh, recovering uh, people with gambling issues. Uh, I wonder if you know, I'm just going to throw this out there, Dr. Raymond DeMarco. I know him very well because when I were on the council, I brought him on board. Okay. He's, he's my, he taught me to become an advanced clinical master hypnotist, and I have so much admiration for him. He's my hypnosis teacher. 
and I know he does you a know, lot in, in the gambling. So I figured, well, maybe you know. I brought him on yeah. the board as in, on the National Council, on the New Jersey Council on Gambling. Fantastic. Great. Well, listen, Arnie, you are a uh, colorful, interesting guy. You're doing great work. I think it's so wonderful that, uh, you know, with all the people who have had so many issues over the years, that people like you, there are like saviors in there who come up to help all the other people to help with what is is greatly, as you mentioned, it's like a hidden addiction where a lot of people who aren't involved in it, they don't even know. Like I, I, you know, I, I don't place bets or anything, but you know, maybe I'll bet on the Super Bowl with a friend or something like that. So it's not, it's not in my DNA or whatever, but it's a serious from reading your book and talking to you and talking to other people. It's a serious issue in our culture and instead of us dialing it down, it looks like it's getting dialed up all for the no old question. buck. I, I, you know, I know Matt from when he was at, at Channel 9. We did mm-hmm. interviews years and years ago, and he's always been a great friend since. Yep, yep. Well, listen, Arnie, keep doing the great work you're doing, and uh, your, your wife must be a saint to put up with everything she had to put up with. And um, I really admire what Ooh, you're doing. You have because, no idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're you're helping people though, and so keep it up. Keep up the great work. Well, Arnie. that's and how people so stay much. in recovery. And anytime you want, give me a holler. We'll be able to do stuff. I see now you're going to get on stations. I'm on that station that you just talked about that you're going to oh, be good. on. I was on that station a bunch of times. Well, let me let me invite you back, and uh, I'll set up a date. Well, let me get up and running on that. But we'll bring you back, and we'll do something, and that'll go out uh, in Southern California and also nationally on iHeartRadio. So that would be great. I'd love to do it. I've been on iHeart a couple of times. All right, great. All right, Arnie, you take, take care, care of yourself. And a happy thank new you. year to you, and thank you for letting us try to help somebody. You got it. Thank you, Arnie. All the best. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay, that's our special guest, Arnie Wexler. Fantastic. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll do a wrap-up, and we'll uh, take it from there. The Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back. It's uh, time to kind of wrap up the show. Um, so I think Arnie really taught us a lot there about, uh, you know, the, this hidden illness that so many people have. I was not aware of it. I'm sure many of you out there weren't aware of it, but now now you are, and that's what we're here to do. For seekers, people who want to know what's going on about helping other people, how they can get help, it's a good thing to know. So check out Arnie Wexler. So as I mentioned, we're going to be, uh, you know, expanding on here on Guys Guys Radio. We're going to take on all different types of subjects and all different types of guests and experts. And we're here to serve you to give you uh, things to think about and things to consider because we want the best life for you and uh, for men and for women so everybody can be at their best. So I'll be back in a couple of days and um, we'll take it from there. And in the meantime, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.